0: Here's what we're going to do this morning. I have a very special guest, but I need to be able to teach for a few minutes to be able to understand why I asked him to share. There's a word in Scripture that's you called dunamis. Dunamis is the word for power. It's the word that means dynamite, dynamo. It's the word that means it's a power of explosion. And the Greek... It's used 120 times. And what the word dunamis means it, means, it actually means this. Miraculous power. I want to go through all of them. Miraculous power or miraculous ability. It means an active power. It means an inerrant power capable of doing all things. It's actually a moral power. And when used in scripture, that that the writers use it in a way that when we talk about the gospel presence in someone's life and gospel excellence, the word is dunamis power. It's the power that heals, it's the power that delivers, it's the power that changes the heart, it's the power that changes the mind. It's the power that indwells and lives in someone who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And it's the inerrant power that is birthed into someone. They are not born with it, but they inherit it at a very specific point. And this power is the very power that I talk about all the time. We've been going through a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. We have talked about breath. We have talked about fire. We have talked about water. We've talked about many different things. And every single week I allude to this idea that, that it's a supernatural power that overcomes and consumes us in a manner that allows us to be something that we used to not be. You hear that a lot of me, don't you? That when someone becomes a Christian, that there's this power that invades them, that they are no longer the individual. I kind of look at the electric guitar. If they were to play their electric instruments without power, that's all you would hear. Matter of fact, you would hear something that sounded very out of tune, but the moment you plug that power in, that guitar, that keyboard, that bass, this microphone comes to life. And it actually makes them sound powerful and better, right? Right? You see, in Scripture, we, we learn that this is the very power that was in the Garden of Eden. And it was then in Jesus Christ. Let me just run through some things. Jesus was conceived by Mary through the power, the dunamis of God. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Luke chapter 1, 35. So when Jesus was consumed, the Holy Spirit rested upon Mary and filled Mary. And that power allowed her to become pregnant in a supernatural way that caused everyone to question her pregnancy. But what gave birth? How was she able to conceive? It was because of the power, the dunamis of God. Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit and His power. It says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth and the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with Him. The disciples knew that the power of God was in Jesus. Jesus. It says in his early ministry that that he was so unique because he not only taught with authority, but he taught with power. He didn't change the passages. He didn't change anything. All he spoke was this living, breathing power that came from God. Matter of fact, his power was so great that one of my favorite stories is there was a woman who was bleeding for 18 years. She went to all the doctors, probably went to faith healers and everyone. And she came behind Jesus and all she said, if I can just touch the tassel, the tassel of his robe. And she touched it. And power went out from him. And he turned around and he said, who touched me because my power left me? And Jesus delegated his power, the Holy Spirit, to disciples, even before Acts. One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. So even before, even before Pentecost, Jesus' power was so potent that he spoke over them and he said, go. And whoever you touch will be healed. Whoever you speak to will be delivered. And it says that when the disciples came back, they were amazed by the power that was upon them. But then what he did was he gave this power to the disciples. At Pentecost, I've been saying this every single week. He said, wait, wait. The power is going to come. God's presence is going to come. And it's the presence that's going to fill and change you forever. And they waited. And and I talked about this last week that the Holy Spirit filled them so much that they looked like they were having flames of fire sitting upon them. Almost like their body was filled with gasoline. And as they spoke fire came out from their mouths, on their heads. And when people saw them, they saw that it was not them, that they were not demonized or anything crazy going on. But God's power was so potent that they started speaking in all these foreign languages. And all the Jews from all of Jerusalem that came there to celebrate from all different areas heard their native tongue and came to Christ. And in one sermon, this would be so stinking cool, 3,000 people came to Jesus that's like my prayer. That's my prayer. Honestly, one, one spoken word. Peter just referred back to what he experienced, and 3,000 people experienced the power of God. Amen? Amen. We use the word sanctified, sanctification. It simply means that God has set us apart. For his will and his good pleasure. That's actually the proper translation. Some Bible translations say for his will and his purpose. I almost feel like a tool, then, right? My purpose is to what? Am I living up to my purpose? Am I living up to my expectations? But the exact Greek translation is actually pleasure. That is, he who wills and works for his good pleasure, that his power in my life would bring him joy. I love watching my kids just be together. Even more than like going to watching them at a sporting event or something else where they're being successful. I love watching them be together because in them I see joy just for being them. God has set us apart to give us the power of His Holy Spirit. And I want to go through a few things before I invite my friend up. First and foremost, He has set us apart. He set us apart. That if Christ is your Savior, you are no longer who you used to be. You were set apart that His power would live in you. His deutimus rescued you from the power of sin and death. It says here in Romans 8.2, And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Will we sin? Yes. Do we have to have addictions to sin? The answer is no. Will you be perfect? No. But can you live an excellent life in the face of God? The answer is yes. Because God's power fills you, convicts you, and allows you to say no to sin and yes to Jesus. And the only way you have conviction, the only way you experience this power is when the Holy Spirit lives in your heart. Isn't that stinking great? It is the power, the dunamis of God that gives us confidence. 1 Timothy 1.7 For God did not give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of dunamis, power and of love and of a good mind. We don't have to live in fear. I'm no longer a slave to fear. For I am a child of God. Look up that song on the internet. No longer slaves. I'm no longer a slave to fear for i'm a child of god the dunamis has given us the ability to live moral excellent lives and christianity is not about morality it is not about morality but what it is it's about living a life of excellence not perfection excellence it says here in scripture By His divine dunamis, power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. You don't find Jesus. Jesus has found you. Seriously. He found you. And He's saying, I want you to live far beyond any way you could ever hope or imagine. And I will birth that power that you could say no to bad choices and yes to the things that I have before you. And the most beautiful thing is is the moment we come to Christ doesn't mean that we stop sinning. It means that God gives us the power to live in victory. That every time that we do sin, every time we do mess up, that we know that He has something greater. Because every time you're convicted, all He's saying is, I have something better. I have something better. I have something more whole, more filling, more everything. But the enemy wants you to stay down. He wants you to think that you have to live a place of brokenness. Dunamis has given us the ability to overcome and work through our weaknesses emotionally, spiritually, physically, relationally, financially. It says here, Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. That's what Jesus said to Paul. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so the power of Christ can work through me. I recognize my weaknesses because in my weaknesses, his power is released. His power is released when I recognize my need, when I recognize my failures, and I say, I can't do it, you can do it, Deutemus is birthed out. And His power, His Deutemus is given to do more than we could ever imagine. Healing, deliverance, victory. Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Ephesians 3.20 God's power is not just about me. It's about what He wants to use me to do in the lives of other people. That's all He wants to do. He wants me to be a channel of His power and His grace and His mercy and His love. things that cause Christians to go into error and Jesus replied your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God we wonder why there's so many people that claim to be Christians and their lives are no different than everyone else but yet they're put themselves on a pedestal by saying I'm different I'm unique I'm a child of God And Jesus said, there's only two errors to that. One is you don't know the scriptures. You don't believe the scriptures because you have not allowed my Holy Spirit to be present in your life. I want Mike Stanley to come up. And uh, that might have been the shortest message I've ever preached. Everyone's like, yay wait till next week. Um, I want Mike to share his story this morning because Mike is just like you and I. He was born and raised in Bergen County. And over the last three years he has seen the dunamis of God do something radical in his life. And so, you guys hear enough of my story, so I wanted Mike to share his story. So I just want to pray for him. Holy Spirit, we ask you That you give him peace And confidence as he shares your work And power in his life Amen Here you go. Love you I'm proud of you
1: Thanks Rob um, I am really nervous doing this So uh, if I go down It's probably a panic attack It's probably not the Holy Spirit So um, just come up and get me uh, I really appreciate Rob asking me To come up and do this um, Because I have experienced the power of God in a pretty big way. Like Rob said, I I grew up in Bergen County. I grew up in Ramsey. And there's two things that I knew very early on that I was absolutely sure of. One was that I believed in God. Uh, I went to Catholic school. I was an altar boy. I was absolutely positive that God existed. I had a little different version of God back then than I do now. Uh, I'll get that out in a little while I believed that with all my heart and soul And I also knew that there was something different about me I knew there was something wrong with me And this goes back to my earliest memories To about five or six years old The best way I can describe it is I had this hole that was in my I felt like it was in my stomach But it was really in my soul And in this hole existed Depression and self-loathing And this anger towards the world, which as a little boy, I never could understand. I just knew that I was different. I remember being about five or six years old, and I had freckles and buck teeth. And those were two things that I remember begging my parents to get me this. I used to see these commercials for Oil of Olay. It was for like the old lady spots. (laughs) And I used to beg them, could they get that for me, to get rid of my freckles. Because when I looked in the mirror, I hated who I saw. This is at five years old. And that was a constant for me. And as a little boy, I have a six-year-old. And I can't imagine what that must have been like. My parents, they didn't know what was wrong with me. They knew something was wrong. And the way this manifested itself, I acted out in school. I lied. I I just wasn't a good kid. I ended up getting kicked out of Catholic school in the sixth grade, and my parents didn't know what else to do with me. So by the advice of a family friend, they had me committed to a mental institution. I went to a place called Fair Oaks in Summit, New Jersey, where they treated me like I was a schizophrenic. I was given psychotropic medications that made me blind, It made me wet the bed. I was tied down and given Thorazine, and I won't even get into the quiet room what that was like. I was 12 when that happened. Shortly after that, I went to, um, my parents knew that that wasn't working, so they pulled me out of there and they sent me to a behavior modification boarding school in Connecticut. I went there and I went through the same things over and over again and that hole only got bigger. It got bigger and bigger as I got older. My parents brought me home they, I, this was, I was living in Elmwood Park at the time. They moved to Ramsey because they knew it was, they figured a change of environment. They knew it had a good school system. So they brought me there. And that's where I found something that would fill that hole. And it was drugs. I started using drugs in the ninth grade. Now, anyone who's been in a health class, they have that natural progression of drugs. It's like marijuana and so on and so forth. I went through it like that. I went from like Michelob to methadone in a matter of months. I used marijuana, drinking, LSD, all throughout high school. And then when I was 19, I found that one thing that really made that hole go away, and that was heroin. I don't do anything halfway, nothing. So after the first time I had snorted heroin, and that feeling of me being worthless had gone away, and I was just numb. And I said, this is it. I found it. through this whole time, from that time, from when I was six up until when I started using heroin, I still believed in God and I I always asked him, where are you? Why are you not here? Why aren't you helping me? My brother, my older brother, he doesn't even believe in you and his life's great. Why am I like this? I didn't want to be a heroin addict. I wanted to be like my dad. I couldn't understand why this was happening to me. I used to tell my brothers, what, when is God going to take his foot off my neck? When is this going to be over for me? So I became a full-blown heroin addict. I stopped snorting almost immediately, started injecting it. And the one thing about that is that hole it doesn't go away. It's like filling it with whipped cream. It lasts for a little while. Then you need to do more and more and more to fill that hole. My parents tried helping me again. They spent tons of money on me, sent me to rehabs. I'd have periods of being sober, but I'd go right back to it because I could never get that hole to go away. I could never get that looking in the mirror and wanting to spit because you hated that person, that every day you're with your worst enemy because that's who I was. I was my own worst enemy. I hated myself that much. When I was 23, I decided I didn't want it anymore. I sat in my truck and I wrote a letter to my father. And I took a hose from the vacuum and I ran it from the pipe and into my window. And by some crazy coincidence, some guy driving through this field that I was in saw me. And I was right back in the mental hospital again. My parents had moved me back up to New Jersey. Again, trying to do everything. I was in Florida at the time. Doing everything they could to try and help me. Nothing worked. Not all the love. Not... Them cutting me off, nothing. My brothers tried to help me, nothing worked. When I was 23, one of the things that happens when you're a heroin addict happened to me. uh, I was involved in a crime. I dropped a guy off at a gas station. He robbed it, and I got five years in state prison. When I was 23, I went to prison. I did 51 straight months. I know prison sounds glamorous on TV, but it's not. It is uh, not a fun place to be. And What it did was it took that hole. Instead of me just hating myself, now I hated everyone else too. So I had this anger that I just projected out at the world. I stayed clean the whole time I was in prison. All I did was read and lift weights. I read the Bible quite a bit, so I learned a little bit more about God and who I thought he was. When I got out six months later, I had a needle in my arm again. And onward it went. And it was just wash, spin, repeat. I would get periods of time where I would stay clean. I actually went to college for a little while. I met my wife. I ended up having two children. You guys probably have seen them here. And then it would happen again. That hole would just take over my life again, and I would be right back. Well, as it turned out about 4 years ago, I was dying. I was mentally, physically, spiritually. I was dying. And my brothers Patrick and my younger brother Tim had come to me and said, "Listen, this is enough. You've got to go away. I had been to rehabs before, so I was kind of whatever they wanted. I was beaten at the time, so I said, okay, I'll go. They said, well, listen, we found this place for you. It's called Teen Challenge. And you're going to go there and you're going to learn about God. You're going to learn who God really is. And I resisted. I really didn't want to go, especially for 15 months. He's, Pat told me it was 15 months. I thought he was high. I was like, I'm not, going, I'm not going away for 15 months. And he said, listen, We'll take care of your family. We'll take care of everything. Just go and get better." So I went, and they picked me up. Pat picked me up from detox, and he brought me there. And now I'm thinking, like, I'm going to this rehab, like you see on TV, like that, like passages in Malibu. <laughs> and so we're driving, and I'm looking at the GPS, and we're in the Valesburg section of Newark. I'm looking at the GPS, and I'm looking at, like, 0.1 miles. I'm like, what the heck's going on here? I was thinking maybe they took me for one more before I was going away. And then he says, we're here. I was like, well, you cheap, unbelievable, this is where you're taking me? So they brought me there and uh, let me off, and they, they did. They took care of everything, they took care of my family, and I went to this place, and I said, all right, well, I'll freshen up. I'll do a little bit of time here, and then I'll get out. And I'd resigned myself that this was my life. This is how it was always going to be, and it was never going to change. So um, I, I, a couple of weeks, the clouds started to part a little bit, and I realized that this place was different than any place i had ever been in because they never talk about drugs. All they did was talk about God. And I thought, well, here I am, and I'm, I'm in a rehab that doesn't talk about drugs in the middle of Newark. You know, thanks a lot, Pat. You know, I started hearing about this guy, and I knew about God. I knew about him from Catholic school. I knew about him from being an altar boy. To me, he was the angry old guy who sounded like Charlton Eston. And as soon as Jesus got out of the way, he was going to give me what I really deserved. And the Holy Spirit is kind of like that distant cousin. You know, he's at the party, but you don't talk about him all that much. (laughs) But that's not who these guys were talking about. That's not what I was hearing. I was hearing about this loving father that loved me even the way I was. That loved me when I was on heroin. That loved me when I was in those places. And I wanted to hear more about him. So I listened But again, this whole time, I just, I wanted to make my wife happy. I wanted to make my brothers happy. And then about four months into the program, I was laying in my bed. And Aaron and Alex don't sleep all that much, so I wasn't sleeping. And I kind of just did this weak, weak prayer. And I don't remember exactly the words, but it was more like, if you're there, can you help me? Because I need it. And he came. And he came down from heaven and he rescued me. And I don't mean that figuratively. I mean he literally came down from heaven and rescued me. And he changed me right there. And I knew it. I knew something was different because I felt joy. I didn't levitate or, you know, didn't, there was no fire. There was nothing like that. I was just, I felt this joy that I had only felt a few other times in my life. I felt it when I watched my wife walk down the aisle. I've still never seen anything that beautiful. I watched it when I watched my son Ethan be born. And I felt it again when my son Liam was born. And I felt it when the maker of heaven and earth said, time out, that one there is mine. And I love him. And he rescued me. And I knew right then and there there was something different about me. I didn't quite know what it was. But I wanted to learn more about Jesus, and I wanted to learn more about God. So I finished the program, and I read, and I prayed, and I learned about him. And I got out, and I didn't go back to work right away. I, I wanted to cultivate some of the relationships that I had destroyed. So I spent a lot of time with my brother, and we went, we'd take long walks together. And he uh, allowed me the pleasure of doing all the electric in his house for free. Thank you. Thank um, I, I was able to start a relationship with Rob, which was very important to me. And I started to see what exactly God had done for me. And what he did was he cured me. And that was a scary thing to, to hear or to even say because I had been to all these rehabs where I believed that lie, that there was a, I suffered from a disease from which there was no known cure, that 85% of us weren't going to make it, that once an addict, always an addict, and that's what I was going to be for the rest of my life. Well, God said, we'll just see about that. He came down and he rescued me. And for anyone who is skeptical about it, I actually have a picture of it. Mark. That was the day, the guy on the right was the day I walked in the Teen Challenge. Four months later, that was me. After God saved me. And- So once I realized that what had happened to me I knew that that hole was finally closed he filled it with the Holy Spirit I still being a new Christian I wasn't exactly sure what that meant but I realized that he didn't just take the drugs away from me he didn't just take the depression away from me he didn't just take that self-loathing away from me he replaced it he replaced it with I could go anywhere and I don't ever think about using drugs. It's been almost four years and I, don't, I haven't taken anything more than an aspirin. And I think about using drugs about as often as I think about smashing myself in the face with a hammer. I just never do. That depression is gone. That's not to say I don't have bad days, but it's gone. And it's never coming back. That, those relationships I have, my wife says to me, I've never met you before. You're the guy that I dreamed about marrying in college. My children, they're convinced I'm a superhero. My, my younger son, he is, he'll is. he go back and forth on whether I can beat up the Hulk and lift buses and all this other stuff. <laughs> my father, who told me the best thing I could ever do for myself was kill myself, came to me and said, you know what, son, you're different. Now He had seen me better before. He said, you're different. Because he wasn't seeing me. He was seeing what Christ had done in me. That self-confidence that I'd never had, God replaced it in spades. And what I did, am an electrician, I mentioned earlier. What I did was I always went around and just made money for other people. Well, God gave me this confidence, and I went out and I decided to take my electrical, te- the test for my electrical license, and, which is notoriously hard. More people pass the bar exam. I passed it on the first time, and I started my own business. And God being who He is, in the first year of my business, i don't advertise i don't do anything and it's been church after church after church just calls me i'm now the preferred vendor for the district of new jersey for the ag church and it's just god was just being obvious just saying He took that away from me because i have something better like rob said today i know what my purpose is why i went through all that I mentor guys at Teen Challenge. I have a, a program that I set up where while they're there, guys can come and work for me while they're in the program so they have a safe environment to come from. And then once they graduate, if they graduate the program, I'll hire them permanently. And then we'll go and we work in churches and be able to provide a safe environment for these guys. Rob and I have some, some plans because there's a need in this area where I'm going to be able to share this with other people who might need it. And that's my purpose. That's what God gave me. He took away all that and he gave me a purpose. And the other thing he did for me was he showed me that all that time where I wondered, where were you? Why weren't you there? And he showed me. He said, I'm here. Son, I'm here. Just turn around. And I did. And he came. Thanks for listening.
0: That is the gospel. And, you know, we oftentimes think that that's the stories of people over there, right? That's the stories of people in our backyard. Right now, there, are more, there is an epidemic of heroin in our communities, not just Mawa all around. And just as Mike had said, that the only power that will rescue any of us is the power of Christ. And if he can rescue Mike from heroin, he can rescue you from your circumstances. We think heroin is the, the end all that he can, you know, even the world says you can't be rescued from it. Christ wants to rescue you from all things. All addictions, all issues, all broken relationships. Every circumstance you want, every circumstance you have, Christ wants to rescue you Because of his Holy Spirit. And only and by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. 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 Uh, Josh, I want to invite you and the band to come forward. Um, I feel like, what's the song you're doing for communion? Uh, Leave me to the cross. me to the cross. All right. Um, Mind if we do that other song, the one we just did? We're going to do the song that we just, it was the first time we've ever sung that. The song, Great Are You, Lord. When you come down to the Lord's table, it's a time of celebration. It's a time for you to say, God, this is my thing that I need the power of Jesus. This is my thing that I need to know that you are alive and well. This is my issue that I need to see you overcome all things that I can stand up and praise the name of Jesus. I invite Jeremy to come forward. Invite Omar to come forward. If any of you are just kind of like sitting there like, oh my gosh, he just totally spoke to me. We're gonna have a prayer team over there. Um, So our prayer team go over there. Um, No one's gonna watch if you're prayed for. Um, we, We do this church. This church began because of the transformation power of Jesus Christ. That's it. And we believe that is not just for Mike, not just for Rob, but for all. So Holy Spirit, we wanna invite you to be that breath in our lungs that drives us to a place, no matter where we're at, maybe we have pride, anger, resentment, bitterness. Maybe it's a, an addiction, a sexual addiction. Maybe it is a drug addiction. Maybe it's an alcohol addiction. Maybe it's a relational addiction. Maybe it's a finance addiction. God, we need your dunamis. We need your dynamite to step into our souls and explode all that darkness away so that you can settle your light in our hearts. So we come. The power of God will live in us. I invite all people who want the power, the dunamis of God to come and eat and drink with us. Come. Let's worship the Lord together.